Welcome to another podcast with All About the Bible. Here we are actually going to finish off Esther backwards because we are doing Act 1 now because <laughs> we missed Act 1 before. So Act 1, Part 1, here we go. Here. All of Chapter 1. You betcha. Yeah. So you're going to have to go with a good for a hasher on this mic because I have no notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's, I, I have not up, read it. <laughs> I brought up my notes. and Good, good. And uh, so we can go from there mm-hmm. um yeah so for those that were listening so far sorry that we didn't start at the start but that's kind of the way it went but uh yeah so we're going back for you folks and especially for our biggest fan chad dole yeah <laughs> shout out to you <laughs> you know I was thinking today, it's actually kind of neat that we did it this way. We we know exactly how this thing goes, but now we can figure out and see how Esther actually got into her position and how <laughs> it was like, it's pretty nerve-wracking. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I started off the study, the book, the study of this book, with an overview. So I thought it would be good for our listeners to to get that as well. So the overview of the book of Esther, this book is a narrative history and it's written like a great drama and it's written like a, like a movie script and it really rivals movies and plays of today. And, uh, in fact, it even, it even inspired Shakespearean dramas through its plot line. And, uh, it's, it's pretty cool when you kind of look at the whole of the thing. Where the plot line, it has this mirrored structure and acts. So there's there's five acts, and Act One is chapters one and and part of chapter two, and Act Two is chapters, uh, well chapter two, the end of chapter two, and until the end of chapter four. Act Three is chapters five and six. Act four is chapters seven and first part of chapter eight. And act five is chapter eight, the last part of chapter eight, up until the end of chapter 10. So five acts, and it has this structure where, uh, like a dramatic structure, where it starts off, uh, well, it starts off at a, at a place, and then it goes down for the, the main uh, protagonist. So, like, fortunes go down for the main protagonist, basically. The things are looking bad is how that goes. And then, so Act 1, 2 goes down, and 3 is the bottom. It's the very bottom. And then it turns around at the middle of Chapter 3, or Act 3, and then it goes up. Act 4, it goes up for the protagonist, and Act 5, it's the high, it's a high point for the protagonist. And, so if you can just picture that in your mind, that V sort of structure, and uh, and like I said, it, it it likens to the Shakespearean dramas. I remember taking in school, learning about um, Shakespearean dramas. Uh, for example, the Romeo and Juliet. Um, it, it, it's it's opposite because that's a because th- that's not a V, but it's a, like an A. So it it goes up and up for the protagonists, and then there's a climax, and then it goes down and down, and and as we all know, Romeo and Juliet both die at the end of the story. So, 
<laughs> kind of like <laughs> but uh, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So that's the the plotline structure, and I just yeah, I think it's really cool how the book is is like that. The author wrote it like that, and it's very like beautiful, very very uh, interesting to read in that way. And the events took place about 100 years after the Jewish exile to Babylon. The main characters are. The king of Persia, in Hebrew, is Ahasuerosh, but uh, also called Xerxes, King Xerxes. And uh, Esther is the queen of Persia, becomes the queen anyways. The heroine, Mordecai, is protagonist. Mordecai is Esther's guardian. And the antagonist is Haman. And, uh, yeah, we'll meet these people within the first couple chapters, I think. Yeah, I don't think we meet Esther in chapter one. No, I don't think so. We, we just get a big chapter background two. story. Yeah, chapter two she comes up. Yeah, so. actually, so more. Yeah, Mordecai and Esther introduced chapter two. Xerxes in chapter one. Um, Haman is actually introduced in chapter three. So that's a, a, a yeah. podcast we already did. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, auth- the author is unknown. It could be Mordecai. And the book was written approximately 470 BC. And there is one peculiar aspect of the book as a whole. And what would that be, Nate? That God isn't mentioned once in the story. That is correct. There's no mention of God. There's not even a mention of prayer. Nothing nothing spiritual in that aspect is mentioned. Don't they mention... I think they mentioned prayer during the meditation, don't they? Like when he's in sackcloth. No, when nope. uh, when Esther uh, asks, oh, does, is it when Esther asks Mordecai to fast and pray, or no? No, nope. he just asked asked her to ask him to pray. Just asked him to fast, not. I'm oh, sorry, fast. My bad. Right. Just yeah. fast. Yeah, and then the sackcloth and Ash is just weeping and wailing. That's it. That's probably because of the movie. Maybe said praying it, but yeah, too sure. Um, yeah, other, like, yeah, other sources like when movies are made of it, then they'll, yeah. they'll mention God and whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the book, the text itself does not, and this is is very interesting, and obviously it's in the Bible, and and it's uh, it even leads some people to even dismiss the book as part of God's word. They don't think it should be in the Bible or anything, but but it's it's hard because it is like a part of the Jewish history because it is like. Mm-hmm. A celebrated day in, in Jewish culture. It is, yeah, that's right. So it's kind of interesting. It is. So it's hard to say that didn't happen because uh-huh. it's still celebrated these days, which is kind that's, of cool. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so the absence of God, I think, is very much an invitation to find him throughout the story. Mm-hmm. The author may have omitted God to heighten the facts that he is present in any and every situation, and even one that, that looks secular. So that is our challenge as we read this book of Esther. Find God in the text, even though he's not written in there. That's our challenge as we read and as we study this. So <clears throat> Then we start, uh, yeah, chapter one. Yeah. We're introduced to King Xerxes right off the hop. We are. We are. Xerxes is a Persian name. As I said before, in Hebrew, the name is Ahasuerosh. 
But yeah, King Xerxes. And that Xerxes, I think, is like the historians will go back and, and look at, you know, the history books, the other like history books that they find and archaeologists find and stuff. And, and, they, and they just kind of put Xerxes, they figure out like what approximate time this book of Esther is written, stuff like that. And they and they figure, and, and then with the other historical documents, they find, oh, Xerxes was in, within that time. So I think that's how they came up with uh, Xerxes, uh, putting Xerxes in, in as the name in the book here, in our translations here. Because <laughs> Xerxes is an actual king of Persia in, in historical documents that we, that's historians know of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the guy that fought the Spartans. Well, he didn't personally do it, but he had <laughs> his dudes army. Do it. His <laughs> army does, yeah. He just maybe we should say his uh, his uh, what's it called? His advisors advised him to do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, at the time, the only major power to the west was Greece, mm-hmm. which was very distraught and ununified at the time. So. Was it? Yeah, it was. I, I mean, you had like every single city state was like its own, like military power. So you had like, of course, yeah. the two big boys that everyone knows about Athens and Sparta, and they sure as well didn't get along. So it was. It, it's a very interesting story to see that the Greek people come together to fight a common enemy. It, it, it's it's sort of like your enemy is my enemy kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. that's sort of what that reminds me of. Those like the oh yeah, so they, they just come together like the. Like uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees did when Jesus was being killed. <laughs> they kind of came together and said, well, that's our common enemy, so let's get together. <laughs> yeah, we, we always have a very a very westernized approach to the story where the Greeks are the heroes. But it's interesting mm-hmm. in the Bible, it's usually the east side that's like it's the Persians that were kind of the heroic nation. And mm-hmm. the Jews got along quite well with the Persians. Yeah, they did. Uh, Persia controlled the the land of Israel, right? So, so here's just that eastern point of view, like, yeah. So we're introduced to yeah this king, king of Persia, Xerxes, and mentioning that he ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush, and that is a very large piece of land. <laughs> Quite a bit. Yeah, and Persia uh, did some research. Persia, Persia lasted the kingdom of Persia lasted about one hundred thirty-five years. Um, so just for your information, there. <laughs> Man, it's it, it, it's too, it's too bad we can't add visuals to this because I have a really nice map in my Bible, and I know how much Chad loves maps. <laughs> <laughs> just describe the map yeah. in all its <laughs> yeah. detail. To us. So, so it goes from it goes from like. Uh, it goes, yeah, it goes, it's pretty far. It goes to like the Indus River. It basically covers most of the Indus River just past it. It goes pretty far north uh, to Sogdiana, Sogdiana, whatever, or Sog, yeah, Sogdiana. I don't know exactly what that is modern day. I don't know if that's like Georgia or if that's further or if that's even further east. And then, yeah, it goes like as far south as like Thebes down the Nile. And then as far as far west as yeah Ethiopia, and as far northwest as Thrace and Lydia, which is just basically neighboring Greece. Hmm. Yeah, my Bible says from India to Ethiopia, 127 yeah. provinces stretching. So, 
Mm-hmm. It's a very big thing. It, it, yeah, it basically borders the Mediterranean, the Red Sea, the Black Sea, the Caspian Sea, the Persian Gulf, and the Indian Ocean, and the Aral Sea to the north. It's very big. <laughs> basically, he's wealthy and he's got a massive kingdom, so that's a lot of taxes yeah. coming into him too. So you can yeah. imagine how wealthy he is. I think the the fortress of Susa is like modern day Iran. Yeah, it's, it's kind of where their capital. Oh, yeah, it's like north north of like the north of like the northern tip of the persian gulf yeah and susa isn't standing up anymore is a city is it or is it just a different name right now i don't think so i know nineveh used to have ruins i think isis destroyed it but there used to be like the ruins of nineveh in iraq huh and then they were destroyed yeah i think when isis started coming over they started destroying all the secular stuff yeah I remember hearing about that in the news. Hmm. But yeah, I'm not sure about Susa. Something to look into, I guess. Because Dawson could look into that. I mean, I mean <laughs> right, right now I'm looking at a picture that has a bunch of foundations and apparently the Palace of Darius the First in Susa nice. in Iran. Hmm. That'd be cool to go see, hey? That'd be really neat. Yeah, probably a little dangerous right, right about now. But, uh... <laughs> well, you're probably not going to find a time that's less dangerous to go to high rental. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Dawson, just go through the streets coughing and nobody will touch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't touch me. Yeah. So, no, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> just, I guess, two random facts for those who uh, for those who may or may not care. Uh, it was a... Pro- it was abandoned quote-unquote in about 1218 AD and it is a from what I can tell you it's a UNESCO heritage site oh hmm. there you go right, United Nations so what oh yeah yeah it sounds like someone's boiling water you making <laughs> tea Mike uh no someone's using the outdoor tap Oh, oh. I, see. <laughs> I can't believe you could hear that. That was great. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remembered like Esther was a Babylonian name. I know this has really nothing to do with chapter one, but does to the grander story. Do you remember what the Babylonian name meant? No, no, I don't I don't think I figured that out or, or looked for that. Here's what, what Esther, her... the name Esther means, the Babylonian name. I remember that was mentioned maybe in the Bible project they mentioned it. I tried to look at my map. It didn't say it. No, it was mentioned, but I can't remember what it was. Or what her, maybe her Hebrew name means. Was it Hasasa? Hadassah. Hadassah. Uh, Esther means star in Persian, is what I have as a footnote here. And then Hadassah means uh, myrtle in Hebrew. Myrtle. Yeah, like M-Y-R-T-L-E. M Y R T L E. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just reading the footnote here. Well, I don't know what Myrtle means, but apparently that's. What... <laughs> so, uh, if you guys are listening and you know what Myrtle means, feel free to comment down below. <laughs> Myrtle, Myrtle, from what I can see here, is a uh, flowering pa- flowering plant uh, that is native across the Mediterranean region. Western Asia mm. and the Indian subcontinent. Hmm. That's the first thing that came up here. So, 
So she's beautiful, and they named her Flower. There you go. Sure, you can do it. Yeah. And then her Babylonian, they changed it to Star. Those flowers look very interesting. I got to keep it real. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, keep it real. They're very interesting. yeah. Go ahead, Dawson. Yeah, this we should go back on. We should get back on track here because we've only covered yeah. the two verses. Oh, we, we, we should get back to chapter one. We yeah. can talk about Esther in chapter two. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have more information about it hopefully by next week. <laughs> yeah. So Xerxes yeah. reigned in Persia, but he's, I, I researched Xerxes reigned for twenty-one years in Persia. Just wow. for another inf- piece of information. Blackjack. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it says that in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles yeah. of the provinces were present. Military leaders. So, what do you think the banquet was about? Uh, actually, we, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say we were thinking what was like possibly like a planning thing for when they were attacking. Mm-hmm. Was it uh, not Greece? Greece. Yeah, it was Greece okay, because yeah. because yeah, based on like the timeline I have written here, it yeah. it uh, this could have happened a few years before the attempted first invasion of Greece. Mm-hmm. So it it is possible that with all these military leaders and governors and stuff here, he's basically trying to get get them on his side so he can gain some power to go attack. Yeah, and show his wealth Greece. and stuff of like that. Yeah, it even mentions in the book a tremendous display of opulent wealth, but to like feast for 180 days. Mm-hmm. That's pretty mad. Mm-hmm. That is excessive. That's very That's excessive. Yeah. I would really like to be part of a 180 day feast. I gotta keep it real. Oh, <laughs> gotta keep it real. Not your new phrase, though. Possibly. You know, we picture King Xerxes as this, like, I don't know about you, but I picture him as a thin guy. I'm pretty sure he's stuck to his chair and doesn't move a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's just days. this obese man sitting Big on a throne. Obese all the time. Man on a throne. <laughs> well, I've never seen a chunky Iranian though. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> oh man. But feasting for 180 days, like, that's a lot of food and not a lot of work. So I don't know. <laughs> I, don't yeah, really think, I don't think the king works out, but. Maybe that's like <laughs> half the year. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. That's a bender. But so, but the I'm not sure if the feast is 180 days. So verse four is for a full 180 days he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and the glory of his majesty. Verse oh, five. My. When when these days were over, the king gave a banquet. What do you guys have? Mine yeah. says the celebration lasted 180 days. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I, I have, I have. Well, he showed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, 180 days. Yeah, mine, mine just says the celebration lasted 180 days. A tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor yeah. of his majesty. So, so it's not, not, not really specific know. that there was a feast. For 180 days, there's yeah, a celebration, no. is what it says. Yeah, the just like a small footnote here, and at least the, uh, as part of the ESV, it basically mentions that the 180 days were presumably not spent in continuous feasting, but in festivities punctuated by sumptuous yeah. meals. Yeah, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would. Yeah, my my footnote says that King Xerxes reigned for eight 486 to 465 BC. Yeah, 
21 so, years. 21 years then. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but it's, so they had 180 days of the celebration. And then verse 5, when these days were over, the king gave a banquet. And that banquet lasted seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace. For all the people from the least to the greatest to understood those who saw. So as we read, the the 180 days seem to have been for, as in, in verse 3, the military leaders, the princes, and the nobles. And then when that was done, the seven-day banquet was for anybody. That's what I'm reading anyways. What do you guys think? That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, from the greatest yeah. to least. Yeah, from the greatest yeah. to least, yeah. Yeah, and then and then this like six to eight, it just describes his his uh his palace, right? This white and blue linen and purple material, silver rings, marble pillars, couches of gold and silver, mosaic pavement and it's just just really described wine serving serving goblets of gold and each one different from the other. Wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. And by the command of the king, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions. Oh, man. Uh, so it's just really interesting. What does that tell us about the king? He loves the party. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his food and his drink. Yeah. Yeah, this whole book is very different to other Bible books. Is it like it's just such a grand display of like the upper cru- upper crust and political mm-hmm. intrigue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, you don't really see that in other parts, like because usually Judea or Israel were dead poor. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Or like if ever they were being extremely excessive, it was seen as sinful. Or is this? It's kind of glorifying their excess. Well, is it glorifying it, or is it just a way of introducing a character, right? Mm. Yeah, and just be. like and who the character actually is without King saying who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to yeah. say if like the author was making any sort of moral statements of of these characters. Like, I mean, the king is often seen as being kind of a schlozzle, but it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna make up words. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think these these verses are a way of introducing. The character of Xerxes, because that's you know that's what a good story does introduce the characters at the beginning, right? <clears throat> so we learn that yeah. yeah, he's a very wealthy king, loves to show off, and loves his food and loves his drink, that sort of stuff. So we're yeah, finding loves, out here. Lo- loves to show off what he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prayers, and then. The nine just mentions this kind of side verse. It's all alone. It's it's separated alone in in this Bible I'm reading here, anyways. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. Yeah, it's kind of weird that it makes you it sound like that um, King Xerxes thing or his banquet was just for men, but. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like, right? Yeah, it just makes sense with that. And then Vashti's was just for the women, and but don't you think it's interesting how it's like not described, like the queen's mm. banquet? Yeah, yeah. You know, and the palace isn't described like the king's was and stuff like that. Yeah, 
Like, what do you think that is? You would assume it'd be equally as excessive, but... Mm. Then again, the queen doesn't really hold any power either, right? Mm-hmm. Or a whole lot. Yeah, I would think so. It, it, it also just... It, the way I read it, it just seems like she just hosted it for the women in the, that were in the royal palace. So nobody that yeah. was outside the royal palace. Yeah, just maybe not. were in. Yeah. So maybe that was the rest of his concubines and stuff like that, that she just said, okay, let's just have a feast, right? Oh, I don't, interesting. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Be that. That'd be weird. The women in the royal palace. Yeah, who else Who else would be the women in the royal palace but the concubines, right? I'm, yeah. just, I'm just thinking that's weird. It's, it, it's like, hey, you all sleep with my husband. Let's have a feast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but they're, all, they're all wives, aren't they? Like, isn't a concubine still technically a wife? Or is that not how it works? I'm not sure if a concubine is actually described as a wife or just okay. like, uh, like a mistress, rather. Okay. Yeah, it would be weird anyways. Nate. At least in, a, in our mindset, it's weird, yeah. right? <laughs> I'd assume, yeah, I'd assume the wife would be, or the queen would be yeah. a step above all the concubines. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you should know about this, but I don't know if you do or not. <laughs> <laughs> I should know. <laughs> do you know anything about this? <laughs> you I would be, just assume. It'd be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, didn't it say that King Solomon had like a thousand concubines? Yeah, something. Like yeah, that. yeah. That's, a eight, that's, like, that's, like, that's like a whole. Eight hundred and then. That's like a whole uh, army. <laughs> that's a whole army. <laughs> <laughs> an army of yeah. concubines. Yeah. Just not even gonna figure out the logistics of that there. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that must have been a really big harem. Well, if each of them had a son, <laughs> then that's like that's a thousand men. <laughs> there you go. He's raising his own army. Yeah. <laughs> No people fight for me, my sons will. <laughs> Man, the sons of Haman's got nothing when it comes to sons on Solomon, that's for sure. No. <laughs> but what's really weird is that it, it seems like it introduces King Xerxes as being very wealthy, but only it doesn't number how many concubines he actually has. You'd think that'd be significant within a day of this or not. I'm not, I'm not too hmm. sure. Yeah, I don't know. It just says it has a queen, and then... Other people, <laughs> the women in the royal palace. Yeah. yeah. Well, then again, like later on, he like summons all these women from all over the province, and don't they all become concubines that didn't win? Yeah. yeah. So oh, that could be like another spoiler, Nate. <laughs> Is that chapter two? <laughs> That's chapter two. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> we have. <laughs> We haven't even gone through chapter one yet. <laughs> See, this is hard to go back and finish the book and, and talk yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. I'm you sure know. they're enjoying it just as much. They've listened to it already up to, to, up to this point. So. <laughs> yeah, are you going to put this in the front of all the other podcasts or to be listened to afterwards? Listen to afterwards. <laughs> Oh, so well, then we can go cray cray. We we can't control like cause this this episode is gonna be released at the time it's released. We can't control yeah, the, I can't control the the positioning of it. The positioning of it yeah. when the podcast releases. Yeah. 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 But anyways, right. we have uh, yeah the queen gives a banquet as well, and verse uh, ten on the seventh day, King Xerxes was. In high spirits from wine. What do you think that means? <laughs> I think he's maybe a little wasted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah, I think he's had a little too much. 
<laughs> Probably for seven days. He's feeling a little overconfident. <laughs> he needs to learn control, guys. That's that's the that's the big issue here. <laughs> he's got control over a big kingdom. I don't know. Freaking maybe drunk. he's. <laughs> So he's drunk, and then he commands that the queen Vashti be brought before him, wearing her royal crown, in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. That's what the text says. Interesting, huh? This is another way of him just showing his wealth and, like, his, Mm -hmm. like, look how grand I am type of thing, right? Man, a yeah. typical case of ancient societism objectification of women. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was, like, almost viewed as all right. And then, like, Queen Vashti got, like, sent away or murdered. I don't know what she happened to her, but she was, like, gone because she didn't obey that. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's really, a, like, doesn't line up with our culture at all. So just a note, uh, when I was learning this in doing a study with a different group um, being taught to study. This uh, <clears throat> could be that the request for Vashti to be wearing her royal crown, it could be that the request that she was only, only. wearing her crown. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be. So... Can, you can you can keep that in mind with uh, how she reacts to that, I guess. Man, it's <sighs> it's so weird, honestly. When you actually just like think about ancient culture, mm. just like yeah. Western culture, it's like it's like to us, it's just so like wild. <laughs> like it's like yeah. it's like you could not get away with anything close to that. <laughs> It's a, it was it was a different world there, <laughs> different time, different place. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would make me pretty uncomfortable too. <laughs> Nate, where are you where are you going to display your beauty, Nate? <laughs> well, after the seventh day of drinking, I might be more open to it. <laughs> Look away. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me think under normal circumstances, i.e. King not drunk, would he would he consider basically having his wife come before other men in the nude? You know what I mean? I don't know. Would that even be something that like a king would consider? Because that's he's in high spirits though, Dawson. He's in high, high spirits. spirits. <laughs> That's really what Austin's saying. If he was in high spirits, would he have done it? <laughs> but here's the thing. Obviously, he got rid of Queen Vashti. He may have not valued her as much as he valued Esther, which is coming on. And what was my point? He valued here more of impressing his friends and showing his wealth than he did value of Queen Vashti. Hmm. Now, yeah, sounds that, like it. Is that a case of the liquor speaking? <laughs> a, I think that adds to it, but I think his true yeah. his true sign of what he's showing here, like that, just made it come out a little bit faster and easier, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. It just uh, comes out faster and easier with being drunk. Yeah, and, but deep down, there just kind of always was that, right? It kind of always was that. Yeah. I guess it also depends on like I don't know if Persia was a very modest like 
if this was Greece, half the people might have already been naked. That's true. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know true. if Persia is, is an exceptionally more modest. And, and is it, like, what's the weather like out here? Is it, like, always humid and hot? Like, are people just half naked anyway all the time because of that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is... I guess when we think of I, the place Iran, as it's pretty desert. was, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. When you think of today, like our Iranians, it's it's hot. Well, the the, cult, the climate is hot, but also the culture, it's cover up, right? It's modest. Oh yeah, it's so. That's what we think. That's what we know today. Like we don't, yeah. we don't know what it was in Persia, but yeah, like the pre-Islam. We can imagine it was it was similar, right? Yeah. Well, the pre-Islamic world, I wonder. Yeah. Yeah, so the queen didn't like this. She refused to Ooh. to come when being summoned, Ooh. and the king became furious and burned with anger. So, so Ooh. why 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 did Vashti refuse the king's command? It doesn't even say why. We're just like, no. All, all we can do is speculate here. All we can do is speculate. That's right. It's annoying. I, I'm speculating <laughs> one of two things. I'm speculating one of two things, or maybe a combination of the two. A she she maybe was ahead of her time and didn't want to be treated like an object or mm. rather or rather actually voiced her opinion of not wanting to be treated like a, an object or b some of those other women in there were like nah sister you shouldn't do that like, <laughs> encouraging <laughs> no mm. it almost seems to me though like that he didn't have very much respect for her and she didn't have much respect for him because a lot of what the the king does is kind of like forced upon women it's not really like their choice they just have to do it it seems like so maybe she wasn't a very fan of that she was just forced into the position and didn't have any obedience yeah so yeah this could be where she was yeah not liking <clears throat> being objectified as dawson was saying or or just actually didn't have respect for the king because like as what i said in before like where could she could she might have been asked being nude that's that's speculation we don't know that yeah we don't know it either, could yeah. be it could be fully dressed whatever yeah so but in obviously that sense where she she could just be like it could be just a yeah. normal thing that could have happened where the king asked for her to come out and but she's just like totally refusing and being disrespectful in that way you know we were talking about like in the end how they like how the jews celebrate this now i wonder if within plays, how do they act that part of it out? What, what do <laughs> they know. speculate happens there? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I'd, I'd, I'd be kind of interesting to see, but because you generally you know, always see it as just Vashti just really didn't like the king. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really watch, make sense. And if we watch like movies, they do usually put it as that way where she's. Just yeah. disrespectful and just, yeah. It's almost like she feels like she should be ruling too, but she has no power. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, do you think that was the right thing for her to do, to refuse to come? I'm curious. This is a side thought. I'm curious as to whether or not this is a similar characteristic between Xerxes and Vashti, and that is the fact well, if if Vashti is having a party or a banquet, chances are there's liquor there as well, wine. Hmm. Is it possible that she is also slightly under the influence 
and as a result makes irrational decisions like Xerxes does under the influence. <laughs> Here, here's another thought, though, Dawson, is that, like, you see King Xerxes throwing a party, and now you see King Vashti's throwing a party. Are they both trying to show their wealth at this well, point? Well, Vashti's wealth is Xerxes' wealth. Yeah, exactly, but maybe she's just trying to show her wealth. But, yeah, maybe I'm it's a way sure. for her to feel important where she's... Yeah, where she's right. important, because I'm sure the king probably didn't make her feel that important. Yeah, though, yeah, maybe there's a clash of uh, clash of pride, even right. Yeah, where the king is showing off his wealth to his friends, and the queen is showing off her wealth to her friends or her importance, and then, yeah, there's a clash because then the king's like, "Oh, come out here," and then the queen's like, "No, no," and I, the queen's I, like, "No, I have I have a say in this, right?" Like, yeah, she's yeah. showing her because she's probably in front of a whole bunch of group of women. She doesn't want to be like, "Oh, I not to show that I might have a weakness," right? Like, mm-hmm. she may be trying to show her strength and. Yeah, and even if it doesn't have anything to do with nudity, for her to be like, yeah, asked to get out of her party to like dance for all the men would be kind of demeaning for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's covered pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just, all we can do is speculate on that. Yeah, stuff, eh? pretty much. Yeah. So then we have the king. Asking experts of law and asking his advisors what to do. <laughs> yeah, what do we do uh, with the queen now? <laughs> what do we do with the queen now? Yeah. yeah ask his wise man who understood the times. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, according to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti? The king asks his advisors. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes. So, what should we do? I'm sorry. Did we just skip over the fact that Harbona was introduced in verse ten? Just in mention of the name, but you know. Yeah, yeah, we did. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mention the list here. Harbona. Now, we only (laughs) Dawson. You only wanted to say that because you know later chapters. So yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying to those who are listening after the fact. You know and why. starting right here. <laughs> <laughs> you know why. Yeah. And for those that are listening for the first time, stay tuned. Yeah. Keep an eye out for him. He comes back. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very important in this. <laughs> very important. Maybe Harbona wrote the book. <laughs> Maybe. That's what he adds himself for that yeah. cool detail. I'm now officially under the belief that Harbona wrote Esther. <laughs> <laughs> he was there the entire time. <laughs> he, yeah, that's yeah. right. But how do you know Mordecai is doing outside of the wall? Well, maybe he would have heard of it. I don't know. Yeah. Written in the Annals of the Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh, so with this king asking his advisors, turning to his advisors, asking what must be done, like, what does that tell us about King Xerxes? Well, it's weird. Like, either they have a really high respect for, like, the stages of law, or he just doesn't want to make the decision himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, Yeah, it he, could be one or the other. That's true. It doesn't sound like he even knows the law, though. He always has to go to somebody else and be like, oh, <laughs> she rejected me. And must be a punish for something. <laughs> right, yeah, because right? like... his question is, according to law, what must be done? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't even know the law. I yeah. think yeah, he so like... would be asking that question because has the queen ever rejected the king before? 
Is there mm, even anything yeah. in the law that like? So he's that? just like totally surprised and taken back by this by yeah. this action. Like this hasn't happened before. What are we gonna do about it? <laughs> yeah. But he was burning with anger before. He wasn't just like throw her on a gallows. More like, yeah. It's so, yeah. Is it's it, just so much more thoughtful now. Is he thinking like, what could, what will the law allow me to do here? Right? Maybe that's in his thought. Like, what can the law? What, yeah. What is Maybe, the law, and what can I do? <laughs> which which can point to um, a wise character for Xerxes because, yeah, as Nate just said. It is written that he was furious and burning with anger in twelve. Yeah. So then he's he's angry and furious, but then he's like, "Oh wait, I should probably turn to my advisors and not let my anger control me," sort of thing. Yeah. So that is that can point to a a good character. Yeah, and not do something I can't take back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess since since he obviously makes the laws, it must have been more just like saving face. Like, are all the generals and all the people going to think I'm horrible if I hang her? Yeah. Like, what's and, expected of me now? And here's the, the thing: he was trying to bring her in to impress his and to impress all of them. Mm. And the fact that she rejected it probably looked bad on him as well. And now he's like, "Well, I got to make myself look." in power as well like that mm-hmm. i can see that would look bad on him and now he's got to do something about it right so i guess it will not go unnoticed yeah and that's that's precisely what memu khan had uh pretty much uh advised him about and is what's going on in yeah. verses 16 to 18 memu khan makes this assessment it's like well cool the queen did wrong because he she defiled your your command and so that conduct is going to be known to all the women of the land, and they're all going to despise their husbands, and they're all going to going to not follow their husbands and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, do you think? Do you think that's an accurate assessment, though? Like, do you think the women of the land, if they hear about this, they're going to be like, "Oh, we're just not going to follow our husbands anymore"? Do you think that's like a, accurate? I think that is not accurate, and beyond that, I don't even know if all the women in the land, that news would even ever reach some of the women in the land. Here's, <laughs> here's the thing, though. I think, like, in those times, women were very dependent on their husbands to stay alive. Because if you, you think about, like, even Old Testament stories about God taking care of the widows yeah. and stuff like that, right? Like, they couldn't very live very well or easily as a widow. Like, living as a widow was probably very hard in those times. So I think for women leaving their husbands would be, like, them saying, well, I'm pretty much going to live the rest of my life really, really hard. I can't, I don't know. Maybe that's just my perspective on it, but yeah, I think it would be very hard for them to live on their own. Let's hear that Sumerian woman at the well. She did pretty well for herself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't think she did. (laughs) (laughs) She's got to go and hide herself going to the well at noon. Yeah. (laughs) That's a whole other story. Yep. That is definitely a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so if we, we seem to be talking that Memukan's assessment is not accurate. So if that's the case, then... Uh... Oh, where was I going with this? That's not, that's not to say that some women wouldn't do it, though. Hmm. There's probably some out there that if they heard of it, they're like, oh, we can stand for our husbands now. There's, there's yeah. a possible case that some would, but I think for the majority, it wouldn't happen. Okay, so what I was going to ask is that if, if Memukan was making this assessment and 
maybe he thought it was true, but let's just kind of say, f- for argument's sake, he he didn't think that what he's like what he's saying, like he's just kind of making up a lie. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. So why do you think he would do that if that's the case? Like if you if he's just saying this to to just you know he made up this lie, like oh yeah, just so that he can make this uh or suggest this royal decree in the next verses here like is do you think there's a reason memo Khan would want to do something like that i think it maybe comes to the perspective on women at the time during that time and in those cultures it could be the fact yeah. that women are sort of second-rate citizens yeah so so memo Khan is really like yeah just seeing women as second rate and so he's just like really kind of putting his power above and saying, yeah. oh, they're just going to do that. That's just, you know, I'm just going to say this and, and suggest a decree to depose of, of, yeah. of the queen then. Basically, it almost sounds like a like a guilty by association for women, mm. but on an, like an empirical level. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe he sees it as like, women are going to have a right now to do something and they even... And if Queen Vashti gets away with this, now women have a right. And maybe that's in that time that wasn't what they viewed as, like yeah, like Dawson said, second-rate citizens. Yeah, it's like a stereotype of prejudice against women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you know, Memu Khan being a, a, a nobil- being in nobility himself wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't want uh, women to have more rights, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's probably why he suggested it. I I think. Yeah, and then he he makes a he suggests a royal decree to be written, and uh, this royal decree cannot be repealed, as it states in verse nineteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, a ro- and that is uh, something that is is elsewhere in the Bible. A ro- the idea of a royal decree can't be repealed, and that's that's in Daniel, the book of Daniel. Uh, chapter 6, verses 7 to 9, if you want to look it up, uh, the listeners, if you want to look it up. And, but that's uh, that's the time when the king at, wanted to throw, or sorry, the king had to throw Daniel into the lion's den, but the king didn't want to do that. But just to kind of, the situation was, there was a, he put out a royal decree because his advisors had convinced him to do so. And uh, so he was stuck in this position that he had to throw Daniel to the lion's den, but he liked Daniel. So that's the idea of a royal decree. It can't be repealed even by the king himself. And so um, that's something that we need to keep in mind for the rest of the story. Royal decrees. Yes, very important. Yes. (laughs) And the decree here was that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. So what do you think that means, folks? And that the king... (laughs) Was that Dawson? Basically a banishment. Banishment, yeah. It's hard to, like, it doesn't really state, it's just like, be forever banished from the presence of the King Xerxes. Does that mean, like, yeah, well, it's probably a company. But does that mean she's going to be like executed, or does that mean she's just like kicked out of the palace, never to return? And if she does, she will be killed. 
think yeah, it's it's, it's user one, right? It's just yeah. it's banished when they kicked out, or it's yeah. executed, it's death. It could be the one, right? Yeah. It was very ambiguous. Like I don't care where you go, just so long as you're not here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes it a weird way, like a weird way of setting it up for Esther to become into into the queen to be the queen here. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's hard to imagine. And watching, even just looking back and seeing all these things line up like this, it's kind of really weird. Because the way Queen Vashti was let go was just. <laughs> Yeah, it's just odd. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll explain it. <laughs> well, it's just like a very quick quick event as yeah. when we read it, right? It's just like, yeah. oh, come into my presence, refuse, okay, you're gone. <clears throat> and so like when we read it, it's just a very like small, quick event. But really, yeah. I mean, again, like the, that's not the focus of the story. The focus is Esther. Yeah. Like, and the oh, author totally. is like the all the author is doing in this first chapter is setting up, yeah. introducing character, setting up, setting yeah. up the setting, and and setting things up right for the story. But yeah, and Vashi is never mentioned after this again, even by the king to to Esther and stuff like that. Like that's true. Yeah, she's never mentioned again after this. It's the last time we hear of her. This is yeah. an interesting thought. So we see how it's like we say like the the scene is being set essentially. Mm-hmm. Is this um, maybe I'm foreshadowing to a question we would typically ask at the end, but <laughs> the the fact that the queen would refuse to enter the king's presence, and and the king making a possibly irrational des- decisions to just depose of her, is is God working behind the scenes to basically make that happen in order to bring Esther to the position. Because if if Vashti if Vashti let's say if let's say Vashti doesn't refuse and she enters the king, well then that, that's neutralized. Let's say the king is maybe not as drunk or has things with a little more reason, and as a result doesn't depose Vashti. It's like any little any change in the story, and Esther may never have the opportunity to become queen. Mm-hmm. It is fair because if Vashti's gone, then. Yeah, like Ham and Hammond comes up. No one's ever there to oppose Hammond, and Mordecai probably never gets the special place either at the gate. Yeah, and Mordecai could never save the king. So at this point, if Vashti stayed in there, the king would have eventually. Would, and if the guards planned to kill the king, the king may have been dead because Mordecai would have never been able to warn the king about this. Well, That's it was two. Pretty, it was two units. And I don't. I don't know how well. I don't know how capable eunuchs are of performing assassinations. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. But somehow Mordecai found out or overheard this, right? So, but if Mordecai were not gonna end up, would, would not have end up being at the gate mm-hmm. because of the the hypothetical situation here, then. Hypothetically, Haman wouldn't be so angry at Mordecai because maybe would have seen him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right. Yeah, and then the plan wouldn't have happened at all. Well, I was thinking of that too. He'd probably just find another Jew. Like, if it is such a cultural divide, yeah. he'd probably just find another Jew that he didn't like. But yeah, you think so because Haman is, and it, we even talked about this before, where it was like him and his culture and the Jews just do not get along. The Amalekites are just like. Headbutting all the time. Mm-hmm. 
there's always going to be a war, and it's written in the Bible. That, so I think even if Esther didn't make it into there, Queen Vashti was still there, it would have come to that at some point. Yep. All this to say, all this to say, because hypoth- cause it doesn't matter if it was hypothetical or not, it didn't happen, hypothetical situations. But no. all, all of it to say that is that is that evidence that God is working in, in, in what we might consider an unusual way. Yeah, God's using, like, I, I, in here, I think he's just using, I don't even know, yeah, I can't put my words right now. <laughs> it would be interesting, like, get them both full of wine so that they're, like, what is that, they're high spirits, and then have them both kind of have this divide. <laughs> but I think this really shows that God's in control, though. Like, if he wants you there, you'll be there. If he doesn't want you there, he can get you out real fast. <laughs> and like he may have seen this coming up ahead that Haman was going to come into here and he had to set something up and this is the way of doing it mm-hmm. pretty amazing isn't it yeah so again like we were reading this there's no mention of God but it's just pretty easy to just see how that all works together and that there's yeah. there's no other explanation except God yeah yeah yeah, so the Vashti's deposed, banished, and uh, uh, Khan had said, "Well, we should get another queen. Then someone else should be become queen." And then uh, it's, I, I find it interesting this twenty-one and twenty-two. Um, the king and his nobles were pleased with the advice, and the king did it. Yeah, and sent and they sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom. Um. Proclaiming that every man should be ruler of his own household using his native tongue. Hmm. Now, it, to me, I read that. It just seems like the king and his nobles are trying to maintain their control, their way of life, and their pride through this message being brought to all the people. Mm-hmm. It's like they fear yeah. losing control and, and, and respect and their image. You know? <clears throat> They're too prideful. Yeah, and but, you know, I feel like... We can look at that, and then we can look at our own lives and go, okay, well, where, where have we had mm-hmm. that same fear, you know? Yep. Where, where have we had, yeah. you know, we're wanting, like, I'm trying to maintain control of my own image or mm-hmm. or my, my respect yeah. that I get from others and stuff like that. Like, we're guilty of that, too. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. Definitely. My verse 21 here says, the king and his nobles thought this made good sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Good one, boss. <laughs> Another A class one there, buddy. <laughs> Puts it in layman yeah. terms for you. <laughs> Good sense. Good sense. <laughs> yeah, and this decree goes out. It must have taken a long time to reach the vastness of yeah. the Persian kingdom, though. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know but- how long it would take. At that at that point, it wouldn't really matter. They just didn't want the the fact to get out that Queen Vashti refused and she didn't get and got away with something with the king, right? So they wanted to make sure it actually said something happened. So, yeah. Well, it's funny because it seems like that news would spread quick quicker through a royal decree than just through like gossip in the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I know. For now sure. everyone knows that Vashti was. You think? Just, <laughs> you think was just, bad. 
Yeah, you think just banishing Vashti would be good enough because then nobody would be like, oh, she got banished because of this, and then like it would spread. They wouldn't need to put a royal decree about it. Why'd they do that? Like, it would be just safe to say that just banishing her and, and leaving it at that. It seems just like well, a very... I guess the decree like, was the banishment, though. Like, the decree was oh, yeah. Vashti is yeah. to be banished. Yeah, right? but why not just leave it at that? Why add to it? Yeah. Well, again, I think it's like the pride, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's a very bizarre. petty way to respond after you've kind of solved the situation and you've yeah, had like true. 180 yeah. days of partying. Yeah. <laughs> it was like he tweeted her out afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just bizarre. That's all of chapter one. <laughs> that is all of chapter one, yeah. yeah. That is covered a lot of ground there. <laughs> that's 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 act one part one. Act one part one. Oops. That's the start of Esther. That is yeah. Welcome to Esther. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Esther is... three months after the fact. Yeah, this is <laughs> three months after the fact of it was a wild ride and we're just starting over again, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh. Future. <laughs> those, those, hey, Nate got it. Nate got it. <laughs> oh. Big old. Too bad Corey you... isn't here to hear the SpongeBob reference. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, those, oh. of you, those of you who get SpongeBob references will get that one. <laughs> Okay. I don't get that one. <laughs> <random> to me. <laughs> yeah. At least Nate got it. Otherwise, it'd be really weird. <laughs> I'm sure some of the people will get it. <laughs> Comment down below if you understand that SpongeBob reference. <laughs> Before we mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Is there a comment section on some of these podcasts? No, but you can send us an email. <laughs> email down below. <laughs> <laughs> it is in our description. There is an email there to send to us. All right, cool. Yeah. So if you do want to contact us, there is that way of contacting us, which I'd love to hear from people. That'd Absolutely. Send that us is, your uh, comments. That is from episode 14A of season one, released on December 31st, 1999. You're talking about SpongeBob? Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh. No, that was Esther. <laughs> episode 14A of season one. Season one from 1999. <laughs> 1999, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I just thought this is all. This is off topic now. But you know that was December 31st, 1999. Is that a Y2K episode? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> I, I just thought of that. Is that episode oh. out there for like Y2 because of like the whole Y2K thing? Because of the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to think of SpongeBob in the Y2K crisis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is ever off topic. SpongeBob and does not seem that old. And you're listening to the podcast all about, about the Bible. Preface <laughs> all about the Bible. Oh man. Occasionally <laughs> about SpongeBob. Yeah. And Nate's cat. And Nate's uh, cat Nate's gets cat. in there too. And Hogan's and Hagenaz and Dog. Oh yeah, yeah. You'll you'll hear Hagenaz later yeah. on, and and stay tuned for Vadim. Yeah, Vadim. <laughs> oh wait, oh uh, he might not be in there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, stay tuned for all about the bits. Yeah, all about the bits. <laughs> <laughs> we have bits that we have recorded before. I I out, so I'm hoping to get some of those put together there. 
Oh, okay. Why? You're gonna put them out. That's good. Yeah, so we can put them out, and you can have a laugh at our meaningless oh, conversation. <laughs> our pre and post recording conversations. Pre and post recording <laughs> conversations. Yeah. Speaking of which, maybe we should finish this one off, and we can have a post conversation. <laughs> yeah. Who <laughs> knows? Time, make... time may have already let's... cut it off. Okay, no, <laughs> no. Let's make. I have to make an actual ending to cut it off because every time I try and find a spot, I can't find one. It just like <laughs> it never ends in a good spot. So Next week, it, end it. So. <laughs> Next week when we finish, I'll just start screaming for a good ten seconds for you. <laughs> yes. Give you a good bit to chop off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so everybody, let Tyler say closing statements. And then well, have a bit of silence, and then we talk. Don't we all do do like a closing statement? I don't know. Nate or closes whatever. off normally. I <laughs> yeah, close off. One you part one of Esther. Join us yeah. next week where we finish it off. I don't go think that was Nate. me though. No, <laughs> Nate, you gotta go for it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on an. Well, I guess on the first podcast. Of what all is about the Bible. To be the first podcast. <laughs> well, it's not the first podcast. It's the first no. episode of Esther Study. Should have been the first episode. Thank you for joining us on what should have been the first episode of <laughs> All About the Bible. Of the Join Esther us. Study. <laughs> it's all about the Bible. Well, there's going to be more studies in the future. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the what should have been the first episode of All About the Bible. Semicolon. The extra story. <laughs> we hope you had a great time, and we just want to wish you a whole bunch of great stuff. We got and one I- more to finish off the extra series, though. We got this is Act One, Part One. We got Part Two yet to cover. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So just have. I hope you have 180 days of celebration all <laughs> in this week. <laughs> this week. <laughs> Join us again, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Hit that bell button. Just smash that bell button. Thank you. It was on the seventh day when the when the king of the heart was Mary, when he was in high spirits. That was the seventh day. They could technically party for seven days and then refuse to go into the presence of someone and get deposed. <laughs> it is now my royal decree that you smash that subscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go against 